Those of you joining us online, we want to welcome you today and uh, ask everybody if you'll please open your Bibles. We're going to look at the book of John chapter 4. We're on the second Sunday of our series on uh, women of the kingdom. And guys, just so you know, uh, we will also glean some things from this. So uh, don't shut it off just because it's for the ladies. Amen. Um, Jesus was... He kind of broke the mold with the way women were treated in his day and hour. Um, it was a very patriarchal society. He didn't uh, violate any laws as he did what God called him to do, but he did bring the fullness of what, uh, how God views a woman. And uh, what I'd like it, you to do today is I just want to talk about a woman while you are Go into the book of John chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 1. But this woman that I'm going to talk about, I've titled this message, Making a Woman of the Kingdom. And uh, this lady that we're going to read about, you guys are all familiar with her. You know her as the woman at the well. And uh, she was saved by the power of Jesus and made into a woman of the kingdom. And as we read the Gospels, I want you to notice that we see that Jesus' approach to proclaiming the good news was very different a lot of times than the approach most churches have today. And I believe that we need to take a closer look at how Jesus reached people and do what he did. You know, a lot of times we think that if if people are going to get saved, we've got to get them to the church. When really, Jesus said that the world is the field. That's where harvest happens, is out in the world. And it's as we go out in the world and go into places and where people are that don't know God, that's where people are going to hear the gospel of Jesus. And I want you to notice that as we start off when we read today, you're going to notice that the religious people, everybody say the church folk, they were angry with Jesus because they heard that Jesus was more popular than John the Baptist and that he was baptizing more people than John was. Yet, uh, what, so what Jesus decided to do, so he didn't create a uh, ministry comparison, he said he needed to go to Samaria. And just to kind of set the background here, When you went from Judea, Jerusalem, and you went up to Galilee, the only way to get there was through Samaria. And I want you to notice this as I kind of laid the groundwork. Beginning with verse 1 of John chapter 4, it says, When therefore the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard, that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea around Jerusalem, and he departed again into Galilee. Now I want you to notice verse 4, and he had to pass through Samaria. He needed to pass through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. 
And Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from the journey, was sitting thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Now, Samaria was a place inhabited by two basic types of people. The original Canaanites that occupied that land and those who were half Canaanite and half Jews. The Jews called them half-breeds, and they considered them literally to be lower than a dog. And so the normal Jew would not go through Samaria to go to Galilee. They would go around Samaria so they would not even have to look at them to get to Galilee. But yet we find in verse 4, notice this again. Let's pull that up again. It says, and he had to pass through Samaria. Now I want to you to be reminded of something about Jesus. Jesus did not do anything of his own accord. The Bible says he only did what he saw his father do. So Jesus already knew the father wanted him to go into and through Samaria. So as you can see there, any respectable Jew in their eyes would never go into Samaria, much less a rabbi. But Jesus chose to go through Samaria rather than go around it, and he goes into a city called Sychar, and that is where Jacob had dug a well. And it just so happened that's where Jesus stopped. And in those days, the women would carry the water, and most women would go to the well in the morning hours to avoid the heat of the day. But Jesus got there in the afternoon, and he sent his disciples into town, told them to go get some food, and that is when the story begins. The Samaritan woman comes in verse 7. Now, why would she be going so late in the day? Well, she is not only despised by the Jews, but I want you to know something. She's also despised by her fellow Samaritans. So if the Samaritans to the Jews were lower than dogs, then she was lower than a dog's dog. Are you hearing me? She was one of those kinds of people. She had been married five times. She was presently just living with this sixth man out of wedlock. And as a rabbi, Jesus should not have even talked to her. But as we always see with Jesus, salvation always means more than obeying man's rules. We're talking about the making of a woman of the kingdom. And Jesus has always had a different way of striking up conversations with people. He meets them right where they are. He didn't ask her about the weather, but he did ask her for a favor. He asked her for a drink of water. Let's look at this. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, 
ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So Jesus simply begins the conversation by asking her for some water. This drew a reply from her, and now they're able to begin a conversation. In verse 9, she reminded him that he should not even be talking to her because of their differences. Now notice verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, Jesus is, is speaking spiritually here, but the woman can only think of the physical meaning because they're right there at the well, and it made no sense to her what he was saying. How could he bring water to her, and what did he mean by living water? You see, number one, guys didn't draw water, so why would she ask him for water? And what did he mean by living water? So the woman is still focused on the worldly. How many people today that you get into conversations with are focused on the worldly? And you see, it is our responsibility and your responsibility as a child of God, a man of the kingdom and a woman of the kingdom to begin to change the conversation from the natural to the spiritual. And Jesus begins to explain to this woman the difference of the two waters that he's talking about. The woman said to him in verse 11, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Well, guess what? One thing she doesn't even know is this guy is his great, 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 great granddad. He's his grandpappy. Jacob... In the natural, Jesus is descended from. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. She's still in the natural. Jesus asked for a second favor. He asked her for a favor that started the conversation. She said, I'm not supposed to be talking to you. He replied by offering her water, but the water is spiritual life, not water to quench an earthly thirst. And so to get her a little closer to the kingdom, he says, go call your husband and come back. Now the woman answered and he said, she said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, that's the truth. You have well said that I have no husband. In verse 18 says, For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that, you spoke truly. 
Now, I want to ask you this question. How would you feel if you had some secrets in your life that you were not proud of and some stranger you don't even know tells you every single one of them? Would that get your attention? Someone you've never met. And he knows where all the places you've been. She felt as surprised as we would. So she continues to talk to Jesus. In verses 19 and 20, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. She's going back to the natural. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Now I want you to notice this. That could be an argumentative comment. You see, we live today where the, one of the biggest things that people want to talk about is racism. And can I just remind everybody, uh, when you look around, are the people, regardless of our color, are we animals? We're not dogs, we're not cats, we're not cows, we're not horses, we're not any of those things. We are human beings. And I think I've read somewhere that we are all part of the human race. So why is there racism if we're all humans? You see, the same thing that was in that day is the same thing we're dealing with in this day. And Jesus brought, he didn't go into the argument. She said, our fathers worshiped on this mountain and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. Doesn't that kind of sound racist? I mean, that's what somebody said. Well, that's a racist statement. But this, Jesus didn't get offended. Can I just tell you that? Jesus could have let the conversation go in the direction of where she wanted it to go, which was where do we worship? But he brought it back to why we worship. Now watch this. In verse 21 through 24, he said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Are you ready? You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is from the Jews. I mean, she's talking to salvation himself and doesn't even know it. But the hour is coming. Now notice this. And now is. Everybody say, now is. When the, watch this, true worshipers. I'm going to ask you this. Are you a true worshiper? The true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. And then he goes on and has a little theology lesson with her. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and do it truthfully. In truth. You see, sometimes we think we've worshipped and we really haven't. Because worship is, first of all, spirit to spirit. You see, some people could say, oh, we had a good surface in worship because everybody was clapping. Or everybody was, had their hands raised up. 
Well, you can do that and still not worship God. It depends upon what's happening spirit to spirit. So the Samaritan's Bible, so to speak, if that's what you would want to call it, it included only the Pentateuch, the first five books of what we have in our Bible, the first five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch. The Jews, on the other hand, had the entire Old Testament, so they were more knowledgeable, actually, about the Bible than the Samaritans were. And this woman did not understand when Jesus spoke in this spiritual sense. She was bewildered by his ability to tell her, first of all, details of her past when he didn't even know who she was. And, and she, didn't just, she didn't just hear that. Now she's hearing some theology she hasn't heard. And so with this limited understanding, but with a lot of blind faith... We read what she says in verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. And when he comes, he'll tell us all things. And I just want to sit here and laugh right now. Because she's talking about the very guy she's talking to. Now, she's not very mature in the word, but she does have faith. You can see it. She said, I know Messiah's coming. He's called the Christ. That word Christ means anointed one. And the person who comes as the anointing one, anointed one, he's going to break off the chains. The burden removing power of God is going to be upon him. When he comes, he'll tell us all things. So she's quickly quoting some scripture and she shows her faith. Now notice what Jesus does here in verses 26 and 27. So Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Pretty simple. In other words, that's who I am. And at this point, all the disciples come back. With their grocery bags. Their grocery bags. And, and they're marveling that Jesus is talking to a woman. Can you imagine these guys? I mean, here's a guy walking on the water, making, making more, 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 fit, more fish and more bread and more. He's doing all this stuff. You know, touching coffins and young men coming out of them. And, and now he's talking to a woman. I mean, he's breaking down barriers, folks. I didn't think we were supposed to do that. And she's a Samaritan. First of all, we're here in this, you know, God-forsaken territory. God doesn't even love these people. I mean, you know, we need to go around. And Jesus is going, oh, yes, he does. He's the one who told me to come here. And they marveled that he talked to the woman, yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So Jesus told her he's the Messiah. And you know what, church? I have, you can scour the scriptures. And you will find that that is something he rarely ever said publicly. Other people said it. 
But he didn't say, in fact, the, 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 the terminology he used to refer to himself was not son of God. It was son of man. He wanted to identify with mankind, although he was the son of God. And so he tells her that he knew that by telling this woman, he was letting her see the one she had been longing for. We're talking about the making of a woman of God. Right now, she's a woman of the streets. Right now, she's a woman who's five times divorced. She's had five husbands. Are you hearing me? Today in churches, how would the church respond to that? How would the church respond to someone that just came out of the strip club and looked like that? I hope the way Jesus did. And as Jesus says, says that to her, his disciples have come back from their trip into town and out of great respect for Jesus, none of them ask why he's talking to her or even mentions it. So look at verse 28 through verse 30. This tells us what she did next. After he revealed that he is Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the woman then, she left the very reason she was there. She left her water pot. Now she's out of the natural. She's in the spiritual. And she went her way into the city and she said to the men, stop there, go back to that. And she said to the men, I just want you to see this because if she's shocked that Jesus is even talking to her, how much more so do you think the woman couldn't talk to the man? Yet the Bible says she leaves her water pot where Jesus is at the well, goes into the town of Sychar and goes to this city and said to the men, watch this, come see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. Guess what? We're talking about the making of a woman of the kingdom. Actually, I want you to see what she is doing is what Jesus is right now doing. Jesus is there to reach her and she immediately leaves her water pot and goes and grabs some more people. It's kind of similar to the uh, hearing what Jesus said to the disciples, leave your nets, leave your boat, come and follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Well, this is good stuff. So to fully understand this story, this account, we must realize just how excited this woman has become. Sometimes we can be so far, we've lived for God so long, the excitement's gone. But church, I'm telling you something, we were on our way to hell and Jesus Christ saved our soul and we're no longer on that way, we're on our way to heaven. Boy, I'm telling you, when you get, when you get, if you ever, if you get to the point where you are actually on your deathbed and you know it, you're going to be excited 
that you're going to heaven. But why don't we just go ahead and live like that right now? We're on our way to heaven. We want everybody else to go there. You know, it's kind of like Joyce Meyer said, you know, we're on our way to heaven, but not, we're not all enjoying the trip. We're, we're, we're kind of down in the mully grubs or we're, we're you know, you know, lemonized Christians where it looks like we've just been drinking lemonade or, you know, sucking on lemons. You know what I'm talking about? Do you know anybody like that? Oh, boy, there was no amens on that one. But what happens is, is there has never been anything stronger than a person that has been changed by Jesus saying what Jesus has done to them. There's nothing more strong than a personal testimony. And they gave this honest personal, she gives this honest personal testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. You guys already know it, but he told me and he didn't even know me. Could this be the Christ? And they come and they're going, well, I'd like to check that out. So it's carrying the weight of God in it. Whereas before, nobody, listen church, nobody would have given this woman the time of day or given her any attention at all other than disapproving scowls. But now they not only listen to her because she has been with Jesus, they now are following her back so they can meet Jesus too. Why does she do this? Because she had encountered truly Jesus. And I just wonder how many people in the church have been going to church and and the encounter with Jesus has grown cold. Man, I'm telling you, we got to get on fire in the day and hour in which we live because we are the answer to what ails the world. Now, we're going to vote in a couple of days, but there's only a limitation to what those people we're going to help put in office are going to do. But we can continue to touch not only natural, but supernatural, spirit. Amen? So, she does this because she met somebody named Jesus, the Holy One, who knows that when you have such an encounter, something happens and you become transformed from the inside out. He said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. That's what he said. That's what he was going to give her. You'd ask me of living water and I'd give it to you and it's going to come right out of your belly. Now look at verse 31 and 32. It tells us what his disciples did. In the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. Here they are in the natural. You notice how the way, that's the way the devil always tries to work. When you're walking in the spirit, he wants to bring you out. He wants you to get back in the flesh, get back in the natural. But he said to them, I love Jesus, how he does this. I have food to eat of which you don't know. Now, this, this had to have been a little confusing to him because he's the one sent him in there to go get food. And so they must have been saying, well, if you already had food that we didn't know about, why would you send it? I think what he was really thinking is, I didn't need you guys here messing it all up while I was talking to my lady over here, fixing to become a woman of God. I have food to eat of, which you do not know. And now what happens is it's time to teach his disciples. Because I want you to know, there's some of those same Jews that didn't like Samaritans. And that is why Jesus said, you're going to go into all the world. And you're going to preach my gospel to all creation. 
You're going to baptize him in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And you're going to start in Jerusalem. And you're going to go all the way through Judea. Then you're going to go into Samaria. And then the uttermost parts of the earth. And I can hear him saying, into Jerusalem, amen, Jesus. And all over Judea, hallelujah, we're going to be evangelizing our, our, our homeland. And into Samaria, whoa, 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 hold on just a minute. You just made a racial statement. No, he didn't. Can I tell you this? The person you disagree with politically, they need Jesus too. I just thought I'd tell you that. If they're not walking with Jesus, they need Jesus. In fact, I want to tell you this. The people that will vote the way you do need Jesus too. And so, these disciples are worried about Jesus, and they urge him to eat, but he said, I have food you don't know anything about. Of course, he's talking about the nourishment of God's word because of this woman and her eagerness to know Jesus. Many townspeople now are saved, and they, being Samaritans, even asked Jesus, a Jew, to stay with them and teach them some more. And the Bible records, it goes on to say that because he stayed for two days, many more were saved. And the power of God, now it wasn't because of what she said. It says, they said, we know he is the son of God because we've experienced him ourselves. In other words, we're not just going off your testimony. Now we've got what you got. And so the power of God and the love of God. Elohim and Yahweh were both in this encounter. So the power of God and the love of God can also bring all people into God's loving kindness, regardless of race, creed, area, thought. It doesn't matter. Now I'm going to ask this question before I close. Can belief in Jesus truly and really bring about an entirely new life? Even here on earth? As Paul Harvey used to say, this is the rest of the story. We don't usually hear this because it happened later, and it wasn't captured in Scripture, but it was captured in history. Church tradition teaches that this woman at the well became an evangelist. And she went into North Africa, and she went into Asia Minor, or what we call Turkey today, and she was eventually martyred, all because she believed in Jesus that hot afternoon at the well.
If the heroes of the Bible were real, willing to risk being killed just so they could tell others about Jesus. My question is, don't you think we might be willing to be mocked or talked about or sneered at or laughed at so we could tell others about him? And church, I just want to say, being mocked never hurt anything but temporary feelings. Whereas not trying to bring someone to Jesus out of fear of that destroys souls for eternity. I'm talking about the making of a woman of God. Now, this is not to heap any kind of condemnation on any of us. But my question is, when this year ends and we look back on 2022, is there anybody at the end of the year that we knew at the beginning of the year that didn't know Jesus that knows him now? And I've challenged each of you with this challenge before. If each one would reach one, we would double in a year. Not that we're looking to just get seats in the pews. I'm talking about people in the kingdom. But see, what happens is, is it was just Jesus. It wasn't even his 12 disciples. It was just Jesus on that day reached one woman. And before the day was done, in fact, after two more days... I can't even count how many people got saved because the Bible says there were many, many. But in two days of just getting out of the natural and being placed into the spiritual, worshiping him in spirit and in truth, because I believe that worship is not only us giving God what he's due, but we need to hang out a little bit and let him tell us now, what do I need to do? Because he's got something to say. You see, sometimes I think we leave the altar before we know what we're going to do. And I'm just saying today in this world, people are believing so many crazy things that what she believed, living water, is not crazy. Even though it may sound crazy, it's exactly what they're looking for. It's the only thing that'll quench their true thirst. Let us close in prayer. And I want you to pray that the Lord will bring up, right even as we pray, people that you rub shoulders with on a daily, weekly basis that need Jesus. And I want you to just ask him, Lord, lay one soul on my heart. Lay him on my heart. Tell me who it is you want me to speak to. Because you already have relationship with him. And once he lays that soul on your heart, what I want you to pray is I want you to pray, now, Lord, help me change the conversation just like you did with the woman at the well from the natural to the spiritual. Show me how to do it. Father, I pray right now all over this congregation and all over the the world where this is being listened to. I pray for the people hearing this message 
Lord, that you'd speak to their heart right now and you'd lay some soul that they know upon their heart. I pray, Lord, that you'd give them direct understanding and wisdom on how to reach them. Lord, in the time and the hour in which they speak, I pray that you would allow their words to be heaven-given. I pray that your Holy Spirit will give them the words to switch the conversation from the natural to the supernatural and let it be natural. Just let it be a natural flow. Anoint them. Father, remove all fears. Remove all uh, worry. Remove all trepidation. Remove it all in the name of Jesus and let them just flow in your Holy Spirit and let people come to know you as Lord and Savior. I pray, Lord, that this will go across party lines, that this will go across racial lines, that this will go across any kind of lines. And, Lord, I pray that whatever lines the devil has drawn in the sand, Lord, that we just go in and kick them around and mess them up. And, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would go before us. I pray that souls will, will hear this message and come to know you as Lord and Savior. And I pray, Lord God, that this will happen, Lord, not only here but all over the world. Let people know you as Lord and Savior just like this woman that was made into a kingdom woman. We pray it in the name of Jesus. And all the people said amen. Did you get something out of that today? That's how God makes a woman. Now, that's just one example. I was really debating. I could go into the woman caught in the act of adultery. There's so many. The woman uh, that had demons in her. Mary Magdalene. He made women of the kingdom wherever he went. And ladies, I just want you to know, number one, you're valued. And God is making you into a woman of the kingdom. As you continue to just follow what it is he sets as the example. Amen. The purpose that we are here for is not just to live, breathe, and die. Our purpose here is to do what God has called us to do. And every single one of us have been called to reach the lost. To go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so uh, with that in mind and that in our heart, let's go out into the field, which is the world, and be listening to what God wants us to do this week. Amen.